good music, and I appreciate uh, Kevin and Dan and Sherry and all those involved that uh, spoke and led in music while we are gone. I appreciate that. Um, Heather and I had a really good time. For the first week, we went to uh, Wyoming and spent time not with my son and daughter-in-law, but our grandkids, <laughs> you know, and God was just so good. Um, one thing we understand about traveling now, always have dead days on both sides, and we hadn't planned for that, but we did. And so uh, we were flying in on Thursday night, and we would see the grandkids in the morning because they'd be asleep, and we got delayed, so the, the airline put us up in a hotel in Denver and gave us money for food and all that stuff, and so we flew in Friday morning, and our grandkids got to see, uh, our, our grandson loves planes, and he got to see the plane land and us come in. And then on the way, we were flying out, uh, so we spent a week in Wyoming, a little bit over that, and uh, then we were going to the Southern Baptist Convention, which you sent us to, and I think things went really well. Everything we wanted to happen, I believe, happened. There's still some things that, you know, we just kind of uh, need to watch and stuff, but that went well, and I appreciate everybody's prayers. But we were flying out Sunday morning early, and we had told our grandson, you know, hey, we won't see you in the morning, that kind of stuff. We get there, our son takes off, and they say, hey, you're... Your plane's gra uh, grounded for 10 hours. It's like, oh, well, hmm, uh, sad to be us. And, and so anyway, our son came back. We went to church with him, had lunch, and how God always, because it's, a, I don't know, maybe you guys haven't noticed, but I've been in California. But anyway, <laughs> but um, no, and that's the only thing. Hey, it's Father's Day. I'm going to wear what I want. I almost, I almost wasn't going to wear socks, but I think I'd get griped about that. And it's like, anyway. So, but um, anyway, so you know the price of everything's gone up even before, and even the plane tickets that we bought them early had gone up like $300 a ticket by the time we did it. And so in that 10 hours that we were delayed uh, last Sunday, they gave us vouchers for enough to have another ticket to go out and see our, our kids. So God is good all the time. You know, my, yeah, Grandma liking that. So, all right. We're talking about, I entitled this sermon, Suffering Right, and hopefully I'll get all the points, because I remember a couple weeks, uh, time before I didn't get all the points, but it's going to spot the word Christ. So it's been a while, so this is going to be a really long sermon, okay, you know how many points that is, but we're talking about Father's Day, you know, and we've got Father's Day, Mother's Day, you know, let, you know. God's designed us all, all different, and God's designed fathers with innate things and mothers with innate things, and they're both important for the buildup of the family. Uh, God's design is important. I, I want to encourage fathers and grandfathers that are here today. It's nothing against mothers. Their role is important. It's nothing against single parents because their role is important. But God's original design is for a man and woman in marriage for a lifetime and to raise a family because we need both sides of what a mother and father uh, can offer. And I'm probably going to get the statistics wrong, but if a boy comes to church, there's, 19, there's a 19% chance that his family will come to the Lord. If a lady brings her children to, to church, I think the percentage was there's a 39% chance that the rest of the family will come to the Lord. But if a father comes to church, there's an 80 plus chance that the rest of his family will come to the Lord. Society, uh, society will tell you that a father is not important, and this is what we are dealing with the problems in society today. So I want to encourage you as dads and grandparents and granddads, thank you. 
we, didn't, we couldn't have planned what we just saw there today. And that on Father's Day, we saw a picture of generational, of, of passing faith on. That, you know, just because I'm in a garage doesn't make me a car. And so just because your grandfather's a Christian or your dad's a Christian doesn't mean you're going to be a Christian. But Proverbs says, train up a child in the way they will go, and when they're old, they'll not depart. Dads, granddads, we need to point our kids to Christ. They still have to make that decision themselves. So that's just a wonderful. But, you know, there's been a lot of dads that have suffered for the betterment of their children. You know, my dad, uh, there's four kids in our family, and he worked in a factory most of his life. And, and he would work different shifts when we were in college and different things like that. When he worked the night shift, it was like watching The Walking Dead. You know, he's just tired and, and working those extra hours. And, he, and, he's, and, and in a way, we're not going to call it suffering, but he sacrificed and, and suffered so that we could be where we are. And, you know, sometimes he'll say to me, I wish I could give you more. And it's like, hey, you gave us everything, and it's not about stuff. It's about giving her life because my dad could have just, and he, there's nothing perfect about him. There's nothing perfect about me, but my dad took time with us. He told us stories. I didn't do as good learning my multiplication tables, but he would write those out and give us flashcards, and, and he spent time with us. And so the sacrifices that dads make, and so, but we talk about suffering, and we're going to talk about that today, and we see a lot of uh, suffering going on. I want to help you and something to look forward to. Basically in California, everything costs double and it's heading this way. Okay. Just helping you on that. Okay. And so I come back here and it's like, wow, it costs like half what it did to eat. Okay. And gas and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And somebody's made a notice to me that they watch people. A lot of us in the grocery store now, you don't just put that in your cart now, do you? You're like, huh, do I really need that right now, uh, that kind of thing? Or how much would it be to put a cow in my front yard? Or, you know, I don't know. But there's a, I, I'm making light of it, but there, we, can, we can say economically, but there's a lot of people who are really suffering, you know? And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but it's like I don't see it getting any better. But if you look at what Christ said, uh, these things are going to happen. But that may be economically, but there's a lot of people suffering physically around the world. We've talked about this. Uh, no, in, in no more time in history than now, more people are suffering for their faith. And so a lot of people would say, what's the purpose? Why suffering? That's a whole other sermon. And we struggle to understand. We struggle to endure when we suffer. We struggle to thrive, to even think about how do I thrive in these times where everybody's starting to get hit one way or another. But yet in even the, the darkest climates or the driest climates, like um, when, we, when, we, when we got to Wyoming, it's high desert. And that means no trees. Let me translate that for you, okay? But it, it's, it's beautiful. But we went out and, and, and we saw wild mustangs. Yeah, I'm bragging because that's pretty cool, okay? And, but they're in the midst of all this dryness and dirt. And for a rock hound like me that likes looking at rocks, I mean, I'm going to drive out some time to bring some rocks back. But, and I did get, and, and when they were checking my bags out, they ran it like two or three times. What is this cylindrical thing in there? Well, it's petrified wood, and it's legal, but okay, whatever. But anyway, you know, we're out there in that dryness, 
And yet we get these beautiful pictures of these wonderful, beautiful, vibrant flowers growing in dryness. What about you, Christians? We expect the lost to not have hope. And we're going to suffer. But we should be that vibrant color of Christ to a lost world. And so we struggle to understand, how do I thrive? Those flowers are thriving. Not that they had a, a, a amount of water, but they're getting the nourishment they need and they're thriving and they're, and they're showing God's beauty in a dry place and that's what we need to know. But we struggle, how do I endure? How do I understand this? And, and, and how do I know how to suffer? And we choose either to suffer senselessly, we bring the suffering on ourselves, or to suffer right. You say, well, that is weird, to suffer right? Well, we need to get to realize that life is suffering. Oh, Pastor, why aren't you just being real positive? Guys, there's beautiful, wonderful things in life, but if you don't understand Genesis chapter 3 and what happened when sin entered and the fact that we're all suffering because of sin, we need to understand how to suffer right because Christ suffered right. And so your action step today is suffer right, trust Christ. That's the only way we can suffer. And so a few weeks ago, I talked about the end of all things, they give, they give all you got to the glory of God. That's why we're still here, is to be an arrow pointing to God, is to reflect God. And, and all of 1 Peter, and after we get done with 1 Peter, we may take a little break, but because I'm a cheapskate, not just that, but we've got these journals, and on Wednesday nights, we're going through this. I think we're two or three weeks behind, but we're going through this in depth on what I've talked about. We're probably going to get into Jude. And uh, the thing about it is, is, First Peter, if I had to summarize it, suffering, 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 suffering. Well, I didn't pick it for that. I picked it for the fact that this is pertinent, obviously, to what we're dealing with. And that's part of it. But the bottom, what we're going to see here in First Peter 4, verses 12 to 19, is the nuts and bolts of suffering right. You can suffer the wrong way, or you can suffer the right way. Look at verses 12 through 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is the time of judgment to begin at the household of God, and it begins with us. What will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to the faithful creator while doing good." That last verse there is the summary of what we need to do. So let's go back and look at this. And so why are we surprised when, when we suffer? It's that personal fable. It could never happen to me. And I've said it before, we're either going into trouble, we're in the middle of trouble, or we're coming out of trouble. And the problem is we're focusing on the trouble and we're focusing on the suffering, and that's what Satan wants us to do. But let's look at the response of suffering in verse 12. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And notice what he starts with. 
He doesn't say, you're going to suffer and I don't love you. He calls us beloved. And we don't use that that much, but that means you're esteemed. That means you're favorite. That means you're worthy of the love of Christ. And if you've accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are His beloved. And that, that should make you feel great, that you're loved deeply, intimately by God. And then he goes on, don't be surprised. Don't find it strange. And again, you can be, uh, your glass is half full or half empty. I think we need to be realistic in this. But the devil just wants us to focus on the suffering. And why did I have to learn Psalms 112, uh, 112.7? He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm because he trusts in the Lord. Because I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop in my flesh. Okay, what's going to happen next? And for me, it sometimes happens in threes. Okay, I just feel like that. But, but the thing about it is, I've just been learning that verse recently. Why? Because Satan wants me to live in fear of what bad is going to happen. Guess what? Trust God. Love God. Focus on God. Don't be surprised. Don't find it strange. And notice this, the fiery trials. The trial, the tests and trials of life. And he says, when it comes upon you. So it's going to happen. So let's just settle this right now. Guess what? Not making light of any situation you've been in, any situation you're in the middle of or going to be in. But guess what? Life is trouble. Life is suffering. Doesn't mean we don't love people and help people and pray for people and all those things. But let's, Let's take our list and mark that off. Why be surprised? Why focus on that? Notice he says the fiery trials to test. Uh, that means to prove and talking about metal and talking about getting all the impurities out so that you can, it's not that you're going to be perfect, but that you can be closer to God, that you can have a better relationship with God. Why are we waiting around? We don't know when Christ is going to come or he's going to take us, and why are we waiting around? Well, we'll get it all right then. Yeah, he's going to make it all right, but don't you want to know him better than you started? And so when those trials hit, it's like, hey, you can turn to me, and I can grow you and mature you, or you can still struggle over here. It's your choice. And so they're to prove us, they're, they're to grow us, they're to mature us. So the first fill-in, suffering right, means to cease to be surprised. Take your list and say, look, I, I'm trying to, that's why I, learning Psalms 112:7. he's not surprised by bad news because he trusts in the Lord. I'm trying to train myself that when I sit there and live waiting for the next shoe to drop or whatever, I'm in sin. What kind of life is that? And so don't be surprised when you suffer. So let's take that off the list. So let's go for the reason of suffering, verse 13. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. When you stop a bad habit, you need to replace it with a new good habit because what happens is you leave a void and anything can just fall into that. And so if you're going to stop focusing on the suffering and the not being surprised, then when suffering happens to you, this is how you need to respond or know why. You're sharing. You're sharing, you're communing in the, the sufferings, the afflictions of Christ. Um, it's... 
I don't know what happened there, but okay, we're we're in California, the Southern Baptist Convention, and there's all sorts of and Heather and I had already had our talk on the fact of okay, we may be separated. This is we were gonna meet at I'll give them perks. We're gonna meet at First Christian Church Anaheim if everything goes south in that convention. Okay, and what we were talking about is Roe versus Wade had the potential of being overturned last week. Hopefully this week we'll see some things that happen there. Also, we're the Southern Baptist Convention in the middle of California. And we're dealing with sexual abuse issues. I've, and every other convention we've been in, ha, 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 every other convention we've been in, there have been people right at the gate. There was nobody, and it was, it was kind of eerily nice, okay? But I expected that we were really going to suffer walking in there. And we need to understand doing what's right. If you do what's right, you will suffer. Taking care of the things, talking about life at any stage, you will suffer. Because I think we know we're in the age where we're calling evil good and good evil. And so we need to be realize that when we do what's right and we suffer, we're sharing what did Christ do? He had known no sin. And he suffered physically and spiritually for us. And so... Don't be surprised when you suffer, but realize when you suffer rightly, you're suffering with Christ. You're joining with him, and we need to rejoice in that, and that means to be exceedingly glad, to be joyful. And guys, that can't happen my own. Yay, I'm suffering. Yay, somebody thinks I'm mean. Yay, somebody thinks I'm horrible. But am I good with God? Am I good with Christ? Have I treated people with kindness and with love? And with value, he says that be glad and rejoice when we, because he talks about you may rejoice and when his glory is revealed. Notice this. He talks about this earlier. It's not now, but when Christ is fully revealed and his glory, this is when we will fully rejoice. But so many times, I'm going to wait to rejoice. I'm not going to be happy in this. Well, I'm, I can't manufacture false joy. I can't manufacture this, but it probably is that piece that passes all understanding. Have I done what was right with all man? And I am suffering, but do I know am I right with God and man? And so I'll live in that peace till his glory is revealed and he makes everything all right. Be glad, find joy when you suffer, because Peter urges us to rejoice knowing that Christian, Christ's return will bring everything right with its rewards. And so, we, and to those that suffer faithfully in this life. And the problem we're dealing with in the American church is our brothers and sisters around the world have figured it out for years. I mean, they're suffering. I mean, Afghanistan, I don't even want to think about what's going on there and how they're suffering. If they're found out and all those things. And so we need to understand that we need to grow in, in our faithfulness to follow Christ regardless of the suffering. And so your next feeling, suffering right, means having, having joy in Christ. You have to have joy in Christ. So we're talking about a focus issue. We're talking about replacements. I don't focus on why am I suffering, but I focus on Christ. This is why I had to learn 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I decided to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. He will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him, Isaiah 26, 3. You need to focus. Rejoice now so that, so that you will know how to rejoice later. I'm just going to save up that rejoicing until later. No, I'm not going to be happy. Da, 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 da. Okay, whatever. 
Sit, sour, and, uh, sit, soak, and sour, huh? No. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, Philippians says. So how do you know if you're suffering right? The proof of suffering right we see in verse 14. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Insulted, that means to suffer for the name of Christ. We were staying with friends, and they've been here in the church. They, they, they used to own the uh, uh, trailer park here, and they live in California, and God had brought us together, and we, we stayed with them. And I, I don't, I, I'm going to push it. I'm going to still push it. I think you ought to listen to the world and everything in it if you're going to listen to the news. It's not because it's biased, but you'll get the news. You won't get everybody's whatever on the side. And so our friends were telling us what Yahoo was saying about the Southern Baptist Convention and how we're divided and all this kind of stuff and all this. And, you know, we could sit there and listen to the insults. And we could sit there and listen to the world. And we could sit there and focus on that. But when we do what's right for life, I'm sorry, but you need to look at your Bible. This is not a political thing. God created life, God gives, and God's taken it away, as Job said, and blessed be the name of the Lord. God is for life, physically and eternally. And it's not a political thing. You're wrong on that. God is totally for life, but will be insulted. How could you? You're not caring about this person. Well, guess what? He says clearly in James, he says clearly all through the Bible that we're supposed to take care of the widow and the orphan and for all those that cannot take care of themselves. So yeah, we need to step in for those that can't speak for themselves on life. And, but yet, that's one example where we'll be insulted. Guess what? Love them. Love those that have made the wrong decision that are still suffering emotionally and physically to this day. And we're going to need to be ready for that. We're going to be... Uh, I'm kind of on a tangent here, but, you know, we need to be ready as a church on adoption and, and supporting adoption and, and foster care. If we're going to say life is important, we need to be there for families that support kids. And so we're going to be insulted. We're going to suffer. And he says, you're blessed. You're blessed when you're insulted because not in your own egotistic, I'm right. I always start from the avenue that I could be wrong. But if you do what is right and follow God, guess what? You're probably not everybody's going to like it. I'm just saying as a pastor, I'm just kind of observed that in my life. Matthew 5.11 says this, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Let's admit it. You want to hit me, you hit me with integrity. That hurts the worst. But guess what? If we're doing what's right, and we do it for the cause of Christ, Dios, go with God. Um, God promises to, to, to bless us in the midst of suffering. He's going to give us the strength to endure because the spirit of glory is Holy Spirit, guess what? Rests upon us, calms us, empowers us. If you know Christ as Savior and Lord, you were filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit. The question is, are you going to tap into that power? And so we need to understand we're blessed because we have the Holy Spirit inside us because we're doing what's right. So your next feeling, we can suffer right when, when uh, we realize right suffering is a blessing. You've got to keep this clear because, you know, at the convention, it was, there, were, there, was all sides, there was all kinds of sides. And I'm, I'm trying to listen and read and go with what the Bible's saying here. You know, but... 
there's a lot of them that thought, I'm suffering for what's right. And then I'm watching them. Yes, maybe I'm being judgmental, but we're going to get into that here in a minute. I'm watching this like, boy, that doesn't seem too Christian how you're doing that or how you're treating this brother. And so I think you're kind of doing some self-inflicted suffering there. You know, but when you suffer for what's right, for what God wants, you're blessed. And so uh, if you suffer for Christ, it's proof you are Christians. And again, if you think I'm, I've said this every time we're preaching on this, I'm not looking for suffering. I'm not looking to suffer. But let's not be surprised. Let's focus on Christ and let's keep going the direction towards heaven. And so we need to know the right signs of suffering to avoid and the wrong kind of suffering. And sometimes our suffering is deserved. We need to think about that. And the wrong kind of suffering we see in verse 15. Yeah, this list is not extensive, but it kind of gives us an idea. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. So it's talking about a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, which is inclusive of the word criminal, a meddler, ooh, busybody in, in other people's business. I want to get really serious about this. We like picking on the sin of homosexuality and different things like that. I want you to understand there's a list, and it's beyond the list, but if somebody is into these sins, what leads them to hell is that they're in open rebellion to God. And they're saying that's okay, but guess what? The gossip is listed right next to the homosexual. If you're known for these things, that is proof that you've never made a decision for Christ. It's not that you came to Christ, but you never have come to Christ. And boy, as a personal testimony and being some churches where the gossip was in control, that will destroy a church. Yeah, we're going to talk about things. Yeah, we're going to deal with things. But let's, it is fun to gossip, it's fun to talk about people, and it's wrong. Hmm. Murder? Criminal? Gossip. Busybody. Hmm. I think God's pretty serious about sin. And so many, these are things he says, yeah, if you do these things, you deserve, if you don't deal with it, to get what you get. And you see in 1 Thessalonians 4.11 what we should do. And to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. Hmm. Live life. Now, I didn't say don't talk to people about the gospel, but your neighbors and your friends and those people are watching your life. And again, if you're looking for perfection, go look somewhere else because you're not going to find it here. But we should aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as instructed you. But again, we see in the areas that are, that are that, to save those that cannot save themselves, we need to speak up. And I'm thankful for a country that allows us to speak up, that I can speak here freely and the things that we're doing. And I don't take that for granted, but that's what he calls us to do. We need to make sure we are not doing the, the wrong things and being a hypocrite. See a lot of that. I want you to see this here, but you're not going to see into my heart. It's amazing to me. I know I'm not perfect at all. But I, I've seen so many pastors that they were one way someplace and another way another place. And they've been hurt, so they put a wall up. And guess what? Whether you're a pastor or a church member or in, in church, guess what? We're all going to get hurt. And we all need to go to Christ. We all need to forgive each other. And we all need to go on. But so many times, especially in the American church, I'm going to let you see my, this image of me but not my heart. 
And I'm not perfect, but what you see is what you get. And that's what we should be, not being a hypocrite, but doing what's right. And so what should be our response to when we suffer? Okay, we don't want to suffer for deserving it. That's the wrong way, being a murderer, a meddler, an evildoer, whatever that list is. But in verse 16, we're going to see how to suffer. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Yet. So he doesn't say you're not going to suffer, but if you're going to suffer, suffer as a Christian, a follower of Christ. And notice this, choose not to be ashamed or dishonored. Now, I... I know I take more time picking my clothes out, obviously not, okay, but I take more time uh, picking my clothes out a lot of times. My wife does a great job on her stuff, but, you know, I, I, if, when I die, the big joke with my family, if I'm not color-coordinating the casket, I will reach and grab somebody by the neck. And I'm not saying this is that, now you're looking, is he that color-coordinated? Yes, I know the shoes aren't, okay, but the socks are. This is where OCD comes in, and I try to hide it from you, okay? All right, but... And I had a point there, and we got off, okay. I'll, I'll bring that back around, but, um, oh, I know what it was. Okay, so I thought about the shirts, the T-shirts I was going to wear all through the trip. The shirt I was wearing to the convention was Micah. It's, it's talking about do good and love everybody. And then I'm going to pick on Larry, but you got me that Jesus took nap shirt, and I wore that. And, and, and there's part of you in our society at the airport all they see first is this big old Jesus. It's like, ah, you know, that kind of thing. But, the th that, you know, whether you, I know I'm a pastor, but they don't. And I wasn't doing it to push somebody, but in the back of my mind, that was kind of hard in my flesh because it's like, man, I'm seeing all sorts of things I don't see in Stratford, Missouri. Okay, especially at Disneyland. Okay, great. To, okay, I'll be quiet because we're being taped. Okay, okay. But, uh, uh, anyway, but, I, but there was part of me like, man, they're just going to see that Jesus thing. But it says Jesus took naps. I want to be like Jesus. So maybe that took the edge off or whatever. But so many times we're not wearing the shirt and we're going undercover. Yet anyone who suffers is a Christian, because I think that's the problem too. I go to this church, I wear this shirt, so I'm suffering. But what about your actions? What about your words? What about the directions in your life? We need to choose not to be ashamed. I was conscious of, yeah, they're looking. I can't wear that shirt anytime, and I'll forget what I have on sometimes, and somebody's making a comment, you know? Uh, thanks, Larry. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> but... But the thing about it is, is we need to be a follower of Christ and we need to choose not to be ashamed. We're getting a lot of flack. There's a lot of people that think we hate everybody and we don't love anybody, but we love them enough to tell them, guess what, you're wrong. And I was wrong. And if you head down this path, you're really going to be wrong. It's your choice. Loving God's given His Son. You can go down there, but my job is to tell you you need to go that way. Don't be ashamed. But notice what he says. Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify, praise, worship, point to God. He had several gospel conversations. Some of them didn't go all the way. And it was amazing to me how people would just talk to you, you know, and, and open up and all those kind of things and trying to point to God. 
and, and those things. That's what we need to do. Most suffering shouldn't cause us to be ashamed. Suffering right, your next fill-in, means we are, uh, we are intent on suffering right. In other words, yeah, I know I wore that shirt. It's hoping it cut the edge off some people on what they think about Jesus and maybe open some things up. But we need to be intent on suffering. If we're going to suffer, suffer for following Christ. Suffer for loving people. Suffer for telling the truth and love when God calls you. Don't be ashamed if you suffer for Christ. Your next one. Uh, when, when do we need to uh, suffer right? Let's look at the time here in verse 17. For it, is a time, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The time of judgment, that means uh, to to be condemned for wrong. Notice, it begins in the household of God. But what we do as Christians, we sit there and judge the lost. Guess what their problem is? They're lost. And they're already facing God's judgment. But this is why we have deacons. This is why we have elders. This is why we have a structure in the church that God ordained. Is because within the followers of Christ, we need to judge one another. I don't mean we go around and judge, but what happened in this convention and the things that we were making right, we were judging the actions of some elders to make it right. But what do we do? It's so much easier to judge the lost. They're already being judged. Don't look at me and the things I've got going on in the church and what I need to do. But judgment begins with me. Judgment begins with you, believer. It begins in the household of God. And it starts, it starts with those that are found, not with those that are lost. And notice what he says, the outcome, the end. The lost are those who do not obey. They refuse to believe in God. They refuse to believe the good news. And 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says this, In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That's 2 Thessalonians 1.8. You might write that down. And in your prayer time, and before you go out, realize this, this is what the lost are facing, and this is why I need to be burdened about because they don't know the way. If the, if the believer are barely and fully saved and barely escape the judgment of Christ, how will or can the lost be saved without Christ? It's not years of ministry. It's not years of training. It's not years that I've been a Christian. When I get there, or he takes me, Jesus, his blood, period. Barely saved. Look at verse 18. If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinner? And when we realize that we are saved by grace, what about the loss that are all around us? And what about the urgency to tell them, hey, there's a better way? The righteous, the just, by Christ, scarcely, hardly, barely, saved, made whole. What will happen to the wicked, the ungodly, the sinner which we were? Proverbs 11.31 says this again. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? That's Proverbs 11.31. We may suffer now, but it's nothing. You, we are not in tribulation right now. And I honestly think we all got our end times thing going on here, but guess what? It's all going to line up. But I think it's going to get way worse uh, before it gets better, and I don't think we'll even touch the tip of tribulation. I want us to understand this. 
And suffering now is no comparison to what the unrighteous will suffer later. Our suffering can't compare to the unbelievers. And so your next film, if we're going to suffer right, we need to stay true now, not later. A judgment begins with us. Now's the time. And again, you don't stay true to be saved. You're as saved as you're going to be through Christ. But I go back to what it says in 1 John. If they, I'm abbreviating, but if they were with us, they would have stayed with us. It's not, did I go away from Christ? Did I ever come to Christ? The endurance of staying true. So how do we do this? Look at verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is the application. This week, you can take this home and, and know this is how I suffer. This is how I can endure this. Therefore, since, let those who suffer, so that's settled. We're not going to be surprised by it. According to God's will, not because we deserve it, but because we are doing it because God wants us to do right, we need to entrust, commit. God, I'm suffering. I don't like it. Be honest with Him. I'm suffering for doing what you want, so I'm going to trust you through this. Because why our souls, and he says in Matthew, why are we afraid of those that can kill our body? Why don't we fear the one that can damn both soul and spirit to hell? Eternal punishment, a separation from God. We need to realize, hey, I commit my life, like what these girls were giving an example of that they have done. I commit my life to someone that I trust that can keep it all the way through, regardless of how I suffer, while I'm doing right. So let's get this off the plate. Guess what? You're going to suffer if you do right. Now, there's some people that are sick that they're not really doing right. They're just pushing their agenda on somebody, and they're being mean, and they deserve to suffer for that. But all of us that are trying to do what's right and follow God, yes, we will suffer. Focus on God. Know that you're associated with God. 2 Timothy 1.12 says this, Which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. Oh, here we go. For I know who I am believed in, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. He's going to carry us through, Christians. Your last fill-in. If you're going to suffer, uh, suffer for right, trust Christ while doing right. Trust him. Don't you think he's big enough to handle what you're going through? And if you're going to suffer, trust God and do what's right. And so I got a question. So God is faithful. God is good. God is powerful. That's why we can trust him. We need to continue to do what's right in the midst of suffering. And we can trust Christ with our life in all times, even in hurtful times. And I think we're there. And God never wastes the suffering. I want you to think about that. God never wastes the suffering of his children, but uses it to, co to inform, conform us to Christ. Keep doing good and commit yourself to Christ. So there's a lot of fathers that have sacrificed. There's a lot of fathers that have suffer, suffered. And just like a good father, you'll suffer sometimes for doing what's right. But our Heavenly Father suffered for us by sending his Son that we could have eternal life so he understands what you're going through. So the question I have for you today and this week are you surprised when you suffer? Take that off the list. Are you having joy? I don't mean fake stuff. Say, yeah, this is bad and I don't like it, but guess what? I trust God. That peace that passes all understanding. Do you know the signs when you're suffering right? Or you may be needing to confess and it's like, yeah, I brought this on myself because I'm wrong. Confess it, as the scripture says, and, and, and go on. 
And then are you dealing with it? Are you dealing with, with, and are you focused on the right reasons that you're trusting Christ? As we stand to our feet and have a time of invitation, everybody's suffering. We understand that. And you're suffering, we try to say, well, you should be able to handle that. But suffering is relevant. It's relevant for what you're going through. But the question I have for you today, are you suffering right? Are you suffering with a Savior that has saved you and a Holy Spirit that has empowered you and a love letter from God that guides you to focus on the right things? Are you trying to do it yourself? If you haven't received Christ, come and receive Christ and, and, and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then for those of you that know Christ, lay down whatever you're holding on to and focus on Him and be a testimony that ask God for the strength, ask God for that help, but point to Him and suffer right, knowing that you're leading others to Christ through how you do that. Lord, I ask that, Lord, help us in whatever we're dealing with to put you first in all things. In your name, Jesus, amen.